show starts now. <laughs> Don't do this to me. You have to respond in some way. You have to make a sound. I'm sorry, my tummock. My tummock. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Uh-oh. My tummy was rumbling, and I had to let it end before I could let the podcast begin. You could have just not hit record. Well, you're the one that said podcast start. Okay. It's not my problem. It's not <sighs> my fault. You know. We're doing this one out of spite this week, folks. <laughs> Will doesn't want to do the podcast, and I don't want to do it. But. There's travel. I did a float today that was weirdly short. And I'm a little. But it was enough to be disorienting, so I'm a little lost in the lost in the salt sauce. It was short? What do you mean it was short? So it was supposed to start at three. Yeah. And then they, so I, I said, I got there like 10 minutes early. They give me like a tea with a tincture and I go, okay, thank you so much. And then by the time, like the gaggle of gals who are doing a float because, you know, the boys are watching the big game. Oh yeah. It's big game day today. Big game day. Who's in big game day? Bengals. Bengals and, and the Packers. I don't know. I don't know. I, you're wrong tree to bark up. I have no idea. Welcome to the John Madden NFL podcast hour. <laughs> It'll be the most silent hour yeah. in the entire world. Um but like one of the one of the ladies one of the ladies day out ladies had to buy her yearly subscription, so it took, you know, some time off of my three o'clock start time. And by the time I got to like, okay, here you go, got a shower, but like the pump for the the shower was broken like the um they have like a pre-rinse formulation with charcoal and nonsense to strip you of all of your fragrances and body stuff wait i don't understand this so you do a pre-shower for your shower you it's like going to lift you have to shower before you get in the tank you have to get yeah i understand that but you made it sound like there was a shower before the shower no there was a fragrance free shower and then there was a regular shower and after then there was the float yeah. No, 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 no. Okay. No, it's just to get yourself clean with the, the charcoal thing, then go do your float, and then enjoy the Labo products afterwards. Uh-huh. But the little pump for the pre-shower, or, yeah, the pre-shower, did not work. So I was standing there just, like, going, why is this happening to me? Uh, and that cut into my time, because I was fighting with the bottle, and then... Like 25 minutes later, the sound started, and I went, excuse me. See, I didn't realize that the shower cut into your float time. I thought the float time started once you actually got in the float tank. So did I. So I was a little confused. Yeah. How do you know it was only 25 minutes? Did you check your clock afterwards? I got out, and I was like, that's, that's, that was real short. And then That's it, awfully short. It's supposed to be an hour, It right? was done uh, 45 minutes at least. Okay. Usually, or 40 minutes. But I mean, how long did your shower take? What were you like doing? five minutes. Oh, okay. I was fighting with the fucking pump to try and get the the soapy part out, and it just wasn't happening. What I'm getting at is that it seems aggressively short. It was aggressively regardless short, regardless of the shower problem. I mean, I, the problems with the pump. I got fi- you know, I got fifty bucks worth of float, not a hundred dollars worth of float. Did you say something to the people? No, because when I came out, there was a different desk person. Because I was going to be like, "Hey, girl, seems like we shut that off a little too soon." They still work there. I mean, you could still tell them, "Hey, I felt like I wasn't in there for long enough. I want my money back." You can demand satisfaction. It's a consumer experience. I know. I know. You should have Karen'd out on them. 
that's not the energy that you have after after floaty time. But though. see, that's how they get away with murder. Yeah, they're getting away with so much murder. Bide inflation everywhere. I was and now like, they're shortening the float tank time so they can cram one more person in. Yeah, one more gal. Collect that extra five minutes off of everybody's float all day long. You get a whole nother session at the end of the day. Oh yeah, and they're open late. That's why. That's yep. that's how they can do it. Because <gasps> like it's booked in calendar for an hour and a half, and I was like, yes, I would love an hour and a half. But they're like, you get drinks, you get a tea before, and then a to go drink. So fuck your float time. So, yeah. In what sense does that impact the timing? I don't know. If they're promising you an hour and a half, and you got thirty minutes or less, I think they're just like the whole process. Like if you sit there and then bleh, 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 really get down with the like re-emerging into the world i suppose that's fair but the advertising on that should be clear it should have been like it's a 30 minute float for 50 bucks and then i'll be like okay fine yeah but it should be a 30 minute float it sounds like this place in greenpoint is no good i know just go get it and get your 50 dollars worth get a fr- get two beverages and then never again yeah i'll go do it at some point yeah you going today didn't ruin my opportunity did it no okay no. Because I don't have any information around this. I'm just trusting you. Yeah, you just tell me, and then I go, okay. Boop, 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 boop. And since, you know, sometimes you go off the reservation with your bookings, or you might just take it for yourself. I don't I don't trust you. I don't, have <laughs> a, I don't have a confirmation number here. I have no way of doing this independently. I, I have, a, No, I, I specifically asked her. I was like, hey, how's it going? Can I use my bottle and get one? And she's like, oh, yeah, of course. And then I was like, how do I book for the other? Oh, yeah, just put in their information. I was like, okay. But you've had problems with this place before when it comes to registering for things. This is why I don't trust They never charged me for this. They didn't put a hold on my card. Oh, okay. So I was like, okay, fine, whatever. All right. Well, logistics aside, how was it? Um, You know, I was just getting to the point of like, we're flying through time and space. And then the music started. So I was like, wait, maybe I did just lose all track. Because it felt like five minutes. So, you know. I did lose like 20 minutes in there somewhere. Sure. Um, but, you know, I was really starting to like take off into the mind space. And I was like, oh, shit, it's over. Yeah, I feel like it takes 10 or 15 minutes to kind of settle into the experience. So, yeah, it's a shame I, I was when it's too short. It was too short. And I, I mean, I do feel more my back was fucked for like two days. And now that is fully gone. So I was like, well, we did one thing. And the tincture that I got, which this was the first time that I was offered it because last time it was COVID. So you can't eat, you couldn't eat or drink indoors. Mm. So I had my little hot tea and it was for like health or something. I don't know. It had like mushroom drops in it. So I was like, whatever, cool. Oh, maybe it was the same tea that Ulrika gave me. Was it Rishi mushrooms? It was Rishi, Lion's Mane, some other bullshit. Oh yeah. All the good ones. Yeah. It was a blue drink. And I was like, what the fuck? What? Like the milk on Tatooine? Yeah, it was very Octo, yes. Really? Oh, wow. But not like milky. It was just blue. And then my drink after was blue. I was like, what are these blue drinks? It's supposed to be some ginger iced tea, and this is blue. Was it flavored like ginger iced tea, though? Yeah. And Uh, then it had uh, some other kind of kava kava, some kind of root. Oh, kava's really good. I don't know. I love kava tea. That's one of my favorite uh, yogi flavors. Also, kava, the beverage, is supposed to be this really like thick sort of sludgy thing made from the root that's apparently very delicious and good. There's kava bars hmm. in some cities where you go and you get just that, and it's supposed to be very relaxing. Hmm. Yeah. Sober hippies like kava. <sighs> that's like how you would go on a date if you were a sober hippie. <sighs> go to the kava bar. That sounds terrible. I don't know. 
That's like what middle-aged lesbians do. Let's go to the Kava bar. Let's have a nice quiet night. And then we'll hold hands. Sapphically. <laughs> you know, oh, like... Oh, God. There's no worse word than that. It's like, it's like this. It's like just like delicate palms just going like... Oh, no. It's it's like scissoring for your hands. Is <laughs> yeah. that what you're getting at? Yeah, just a gentle cup. The way you just tickled your own palms so sensually <laughs> was really... Was it really funny. bothered me. Don't do that. Stop that. Stop that. It feels Please. great. Everybody flip your hands no, no, over no, no, and no. give a don't, little... Don't a little do that. <laughs> if you're around other people especially, don't do that. Oh, I, I think you should do it like on the planes, trains, and automobiles, oh, quite frankly. God. Um, but that being said, I'm in a much better mood than I have been in a very long time, even though I wickedly hungover so oh well that's good yeah yeah what were you doing last night huh i just was like you know i'm i'm ready to go on vacation i'm ready to go yeah i feel you i'm rip roaring to be like let me leave the state and then give me a week off afterwards i am just ooh, baby yeah itching mm-hmm. so yeah i know sometimes you can just you can get tie one on for no real reason other than getting amped up well it was like the first time in a while that like a saturday you know a saturday night of retail coincided with saturday night so i was just feeling the vibes oh okay yeah just wanted to feel the yeah for the listener i mean i woke up this morning and uh there's two empty bottles of wine and an empty bottle of vodka now i know what you're gonna say i'm misrepresenting you yes because there wasn't a lot left of two of those things but still nonetheless when you wake up to an overflowing (laughs) recycling and you didn't do it and you know and i normally don't do it and I went to bed at like 11.30. Yeah, you went to bed early. I was like just so, ready to have fun. And then you're like, I'm going to bed. I'm like, oh. You know, on, on one hand, I'm happy on a weekend morning when we're both going to be around that that's what happens. Because, you know, I'm up. It's 8, 8.30. I'm like, oh, this is great. I get like five hours. <laughs> it sure did. To just hang out by myself. But this morning, I almost broke into your room and woke you up on multiple occasions because your alarm was going off for oh. three and a half hours. Oh. Oops. And at one point... I guess you have two alarms. Yes, Would I that do. be accurate? So <laughs> yes, yes, one of the alarms was going off. That started at nine. Uh huh. And it was okay because I was just playing chess. So I was like, whatever. You know, my morning chess, I can deal with that. It wasn't the quacking, was it? No. It was the. But beep, then beep, around 9 45, we quacking. get the quacking. And the quacking goes on for about 20 <laughs> minutes. Somehow. You're you, like, you're dead. You okay. managed to wake up and turn the quack off, but not the other one off. <laughs> So when I heard the quack go off, I'm thinking, oh, finally, this is great. I can finally crack open my book and really get this morning started. <laughs> but the beeping one still goes on. It's so soft that sometimes I don't hear it. I couldn't believe it. So, uh, you know, I had to abandon reading this morning and just put the headphones in because. I am sorry. At some point, you know. Uh, but I, I just turn off my alarm. Usually on like weekend days, I just turn it off. Yeah, I know. But, I you know, oopsie. this was a trade off between, OK, what happens if I go in there and I wake him up? Now he's up. So no. I don't know what's better. I got to tolerate the alarm. <laughs> you could have been a, like, what are you doing? Are you deceased? And I would have been like, him? Oh, hold, please. Well, the thing is, I knew what what had happened. You know, it was pretty obvious. The evidence was all over the place. <laughs> the the half drunk drink that was still on the couch. Oh. <laughs> the empty bottles and the constant alarm. I knew what was going on. Yeah. You know, but I let you go. It was okay. Mm. We all make compromises, you know? Yeah, I'm getting all of my like bad behavior out before I have to travel and be around people. Yeah, I hope so. Don't be bad in Los Angeles. No, I'm not trying. Good to vibes be bad. only on the West Coast. You can't be. You can't be blackout Billy. We don't want no, him on the no. trip. He's not. He's not going. Yeah. He's. He's gonna. He's gonna get some some weed mints and just chill the fuck out. That's good. 
So tell me again what you're doing in L.A. Because Will and I are going to L.A. at the same time-ish. Separately. But separately for different reasons. I'm going to spring break. I've probably already said that on yeah. the show. But what are you doing again? You, you My have, friends are going f- for a wedding. Your friends are going for a wedding, but you're not going to the wedding. You're just going to hang out with the wedding party. With the wedding people. And then, you know, it's a twofer. I was like, oh, well, all the people are going to be on the West Coast at the same time. Great. I'll go. So like, how does that manifest for that uh, wedding group of friends? You guys get in, getting an Airbnb mm-hmm. and you're just hanging out together. So penthouse and WeHo. Do you have any plans with them? Do they yeah. are they touristy? Do they want to like do stuff? They'll do yeah. Like we're what? gonna do like, you know, I'm always a big fan of like. So what are we eating? Welcome to LA. What, what do we want to eat here on this day? Um, so day one is gonna be like bopping around, eating, gathering supplies, weed gummies for me. Um. And then just like, I don't know, we'll figure it out. So I'm going to spend, you know, Friday and Friday and Sunday with them. And then freeze is happening. Yeah. Okay. Freeze is happening over the weekend. All right. I mean, all the art fairs are happening at the same time. There's three of them. It's freeze, spring break, and one other one. That Felix. I Felix, yeah. And I'm like, Isn't that one also in France? Well, I can't keep all these art fairs FIAC straight. FIAC is in oh, France. Oh, that's FIAC, yeah. Which is now not going to be a thing anymore because Art Basel's doing Paris. Why? I don't know. I couldn't tell you, man. I don't even. I haven't been to an art fair in so many years, other than working at them, mm-hmm. that I I don't know who goes anymore. I have a feeling it's going to be like a lot of crypto bros in L.A. I think they it's don't gonna, buy shit because there's not that many major collectors there. Quite frankly, uh, there's Hollywood actors and like producers for the movie studios, and maybe some legacy wealth, but that's like 25 people. So yeah. who are the low level people that go there? You know, I think there's going to be a lot of cause. There's going to be a lot of people. A lot of the studio assistants go. A lot of shit like that. I don't know. There's a thriving scene, you know. There's, uh, didn't, I think Zwerner just opened an L.A. branch or is opening an L.A. branch. Pace just opened one, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it was Pace. Someone. In collaboration with a pre-existing gallery whose name I can't recall right now. <laughs> no, couldn't tell you. Um. But, you know, there's old money, old Hollywood money still spends and they have to hide their dollars somewhere. Yeah, I know. But I'm just saying the the new money collectors. I wonder what that scene is like in California. I think I it's think very different than New York. Yes, they do. They do? Not yeah. in L.A. I don't know. There's still tech people in L.A. There are? Yeah, sure. Huh. Oh, they're everywhere. Yeah, they're everywhere. Oh. Yeah. Didn't didn't that crash? Crypto I don't crashed? Know. I was just thinking... I can't wait for the economy to crash because I wonder what's going to happen to the art galleries. Uh-huh. You know, all these mega galleries that expand and expand and expand. They're the only s- they're the only safe ones. Well, but yeah, you might see a lot of satellite locations start to shutter. I, I mean, think. there's our Gagosian San Francisco already shuttered. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Because that was a wasted proposition. Uh, yeah, the tech people, I mean, there's always an article like twice a year about it, but they don't like art and they don't want to buy it. They don't want to buy it. They want to buy NFTs though. So, well, there was that's a, a thing. There was I think a Times article that was like new collectors are moving on from NFTs, ones that you can hang on the walls that are made out of paint. And I was like, "What?" So it was like how to how to train your dog of co- new co- new money collectors explaining to crypto bros that paintings are just real life NFTs. Wow. Yeah. We've gone Truly through the looking glass. Ooh, baby. Yeah. Through the eye of the needle and then back around again. Now we're stitching. Yeah. I don't know. It's mm-hmm. not great. No, it's not. I don't I don't like our tech overlords. Yeah. Uh, I don't really either. I, like, I saw there was a tweet where it was like, why don't we get Meta and Google seats at the UN? I'm like, excuse me. They're not nations. Fuck you. 
yes, they have unchecked power, but that is the job of governments to do. So Yeah, that's a weird way to frame it, only because why would they be so blatant about it, you know? Everybody's always thinking about the last war. You know what I mean? Right. So people want to, because they do have the same nation-state level power and money, yeah, they would never want to ensconce themselves in the old bureaucracy, though. They just buy it and use it to their advantage. Yeah, I mean, like, what is it? So we can impose sanctions on Meta? I and think it would be more like so that... We can borrow money from them? Maybe, yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Mm. <laughs> we got to take on China and Russia together, Mr. Mr. Zuckerberg, I know we have been grilling you to the coals, but can you give us $5 a day? It'll be more than that, but, you know. What, so they can hire some mercenaries off Fiverr? <laughs> hourly, <laughs> hourly mercenaries? <laughs> yeah. Oh, boy. I don't think that's how that gets billed. You used to um, be able to do that with crypto on the dark web, but uh, not anymore. Oh, yeah, I forgot. You could buy, like, Hitmen. That was always, I think that was an urban legend, honestly. Mm. That might have happened, like, once. And probably got bungled or was a scam. and then Or it was just the FBI over. going, does anyone want to get arrested? Yeah. We're hmm. going to hire a hitman. <laughs> that text in the Tor browser looks a little glowy. Glowy. Yeah, you call um, CIA infiltrators glowies. What? That's, what? Yeah, it's just a thing, man. Okay, glowies. Spook, glowy, yeah. Huh. Because they stand out, they glow in the dark. <sighs> Sounds racist, but okay. Not everything's racist. You're the racist one. We've established <laughs> this kidding. over the last couple of episodes. You keep going into race territory. Uh, and I'm trying to steer you away from it. Okay. Calm down. <laughs> We're misrepresenting the uh, the things here on this day. Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't, it, what were you saying? Something tech? Yeah, tech is uh, the tech people are everywhere. They're, I don't know. I don't notice them around here so much, but it's probably here. Uh, yeah, it's here. You don't notice them because you don't live in on Bedford Avenue in Williamsburg. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But that's that's all those people are. All those, Although yeah. there's the finance culture is really the thing in New York. The young, successful, rich people are finance people. There's some tech people, but they're like support staff. They're not the real innovators that make the big bucks. Yeah. They're the they would keyboard be in, warriors that like support everything. They would be the people who are on the West Coast. Yeah. I mean, right. like, I know somebody that works for Google, but he, like, sells ads for them. You know, he's, like, a salesperson for Google. Yeah, the yeah. people who work at, you know, the that Chelsea building. Yeah, exactly. They're doing, they're doing the ad stuff. Who knows? I keep thinking, I'm like, I need to just, because people talk about this online all the time, and I don't know how feasible it actually is, but just lie and make up a resume and get a job like that. I honestly think you could. But it's advertising is like it's marketing, so it's just like who are your connects, who do you know, who can you get meetings with? Yeah, but I mean, for almost any white collar job, I feel like you could do this because at a new job, nobody expects anything from you for the first couple of weeks anyway. Yeah, they're going to expect you to basically be incompetent. And I honestly believe in myself enough that I think I could learn almost any job just intuitively over the course of two weeks, well enough to pass by the third. Right. Seriously. Yeah. Like, how hard could it be? It's not that hard. It just depends on like how much of uh, like even if it's a programming language you don't understand. Let's take that. Let's you say can like teach yourself that on YouTube. Right? Absolutely. And so. if you have two weeks and you have to be at work, or you're working from fucking home, just sit there and watch YouTube videos, and you'll know enough of it. You can also you can just Google how do I code this, and it's you can just copy it and paste it and be like, great. Oh, my friend that is a a software engineer basically told me outright that that is ninety percent of their job. 
You have to know what problems or, you know, what you have to know what to look, look for. Yeah. 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 Sure. But you're just Googling how to do things all day. That's it. Like I could do that. I don't know. It begs the question. Speaking of the tech overlords, at what point does that just get automated? It's going to be. Yeah. One can only hope. Well, it'll just be like Adobeified, where it's like you want to make this functionality on a website. Okay, drag and drop, and then we yeah, already so many programmed things it. are already like that. It surprises me that like corporate infrastructure can't just be done from an iPad at this point. I mean, it sort of gets done on an iPad, and then they give it to the the people with the calculators and the the abacuses, and then they go, okay, clack 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 clack. But that's you just get templates. Yeah. Um, but like, I don't know. I don't think anyone really cares about div tagging or whatever. I don't even know what that is. I don't know. I've just heard that before. It's like uh, div line. When you put an asset, like where the asset goes, how it shows up on the screen. I don't know. I have no idea, man. The last time I like, I I used to just use basic ass HTML to make websites Mm -hmm. as recently as like 2008, but nobody uses that anymore. No. It's all CSS at minimum. Which is fairly easy because you maybe just, people don't even use that anymore. Templates. That's probably a ten-year out-of-date statement. Also, I have no idea how any of this most is done. most websites use because it just keeps all your formatting consistent. So, like, what font is going to show up? And even then, you're like, eh, we're in Safari, so all bets are off. Mm-hmm. Which I, I do find incredibly infuriating most of the time. I don't really use Safari except for on mobile. Yeah, you, mobile. You use that on your computer, though. No, oh, but okay. on the on the on the phone, you're like, this looks bad. Yeah, it does look bad. Everything. Why is it in Times? Oh, because the font's not in Safari. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, okay. I know. Lately, I've become concerned about privacy things with Google Chrome, and I'm trying to get rid of it. But it is hard on a desktop computer to not use it. It's integrated so much with Gmail and with all your passwords, as we've discussed in the yeah. past, that it's difficult to jettison the browser, but. You know, you're, it just steals. You're going to use DuckDuckGo? Uh, no, no, no. Not as just the search engine, but get rid of Google Chrome as a browser because it just sits there on your computer and just siphons off all of your data. Every every keystroke you make, what? whether you're in the app or not, just goes through Google Chrome and gets sent to them. Oh. Yeah, it's not good. Their oh. surveillance is real heavy with that shit. Huh. Can't you turn that off? No. What if you turn your Wi-Fi off? Well, then it can't send it, but it's probably still collecting Cashing it locally, it. and then oh. it'll send it when you turn your Wi-Fi back on. <sighs> Damn it! I mean, I don't know. What What are they gonna What are they gonna find? Just like, hi, you're a moron who doesn't know the internal temperature that roast pork is supposed to be at. You've Googled it thirty-seven times over the course of a month. Yeah, but it's about the principle of the thing, you know. That's the same defense that people use when they're like, "Well, I'm not a criminal. I have nothing to hide." Right. Whenever you're talking yeah. about these surveillance things, that's never a good defense because no. your rights are just being slowly chipped away one degree at a time. And so, yeah, you might not be doing anything like super valuable or incriminating, but it's the principle that like if somebody was following you around on the street and they had no malicious intent, nonetheless, they were always behind you mm-hmm. writing down how many steps a day you took and what locations you went to and who you spoke to. You would never tolerate that. So why tolerate that virtually? <laughs> yeah all just to sell ads this is what i don't understand why are we doing that just just to it's to sell ads but it's also to train ai algorithms to get beyond just selling i mean that's what it's useful for as a commodity right now but aren't we training them to like by us tapping on the boats until they stop what you know the the captcha things yeah 
Yeah, that's also doing that too. Also, I've yeah. been doing that for ten years. Like the fucking computer doesn't know where a side like a crossing sidewalk crossing is. It can't tell. That's a good question. Know. I don't know why they've been using like basically the same formulas. Yeah, you would think it would know. But maybe it has something to do with like response times or how long it takes or like how much of the thing is you in the image. You can do that with just the checkbox because humans won't just like ping to the center pixel of the checkbox that you're not a robot. Everyone just is like, eh, fuck, how do I? And then eventually click on it so it knows like, okay, yeah, not a robot. Great. Yeah, I don't know. I should look into how that stuff works i'd actually be curious to know yeah i would like to save myself 45 seconds because sometimes those pictures are so blown out because they're taken on you know a four megapixel flip phone and you're like i don't know that could be a boat or a stoplight which one am i doing right now huh no that one's a car i'm not gonna uh, you're not gonna get me (laughs) but sometimes you do like click on the wrong one they're like whatever it's fine well yeah because it's more about like i think you're that you're actually clicking and that you're not an automated thing just trying to press enter to get to the next screen or whatever. Right. (sighs) Yeah. Okay. Well, we're training them slowly. I don't know. We were having a, like a non-recorded conversation and then an ad for the exact thing. Like this is well covered territory, but like the thing popped up and I went, huh? Yeah. And I, as as I'm sure I've said before, there's a reply all episode about this that is really good because everybody thinks that means that your phone is listening to you. And while that's partly true, that's not the entire truth of it. It's more that it is doing a complex arrangement of things that are even more scary. Like it knows that we are in proximity to each other. It knows all of our past histories. It knows where you went today. It knows that I didn't go anywhere today. Mm-hmm. And then it will be able to suss out what you might be talking about through all of those different data vectors. Ugh, great. And it usually gets it right, which is incredible. I mean, really think about that. It's like mind prediction. Or yeah, but like thought prediction. Again, I'm not going to let, I'm not going to click on it and buy the thing though. I mean, back to the question you originally asked though, it's like, really, this is all just to sell ads. Like that's it. That's all we can do with this. That's what's sad about it. Yeah. It's like, it has to have a, uh, it has to have a profit motive, and that's the only thing humans are imaginative, imaginative, uh, imaginative enough to think up is like, well, we can use this to sell swimsuits or whatever. Yeah. I mean, you would think if you could predict people's thoughts, you would do something much more sinister at least <laughs> or, or I mean, productive. Or productive. Yeah. <laughs> like, I would just love for the thing to be like, mm, you should get it. Based on your order history on Seamless and your shitty sleep patterns, you should use this vitamin. And I go, huh, instead of, you know, getting an Athletic Greens ad for the 37th time in a day. I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to spend $97 on a thing to make green juice out of powder. Right. If I was going to get powdery green thing, I would buy like ceremonial grade matcha and be like, hmm. Yeah, you know, Lex Friedman, he always hints at on his podcast that he's involved in starting a company that will be a social media platform, but that incentivizes like human happiness rather than, you know, uh, competition, constant competition and paranoia and clickbait. Right. That he would like the metrics to be, you know, however you interact with it, the metricizing to be something that would be beneficial to you. I don't know what that looks like or what that means. He never details what is it. that like fucking upworthy or something. I also think that this is like a total illusion by tech committed people that this can possibly be like a productive and happy thing which i don't think aren't there movies about this like we're just trying to have the happiness quotient or some bullshit 
I don't know. I mean, there's real world examples. Like, you know, the country Bhutan. I mean, I don't know it. I've heard of it. It's like it's it's near Nepal. It's like on yeah. the border of India we, and China. Yeah. They, they're they an interesting country because like maybe 15 years ago, their monarchy an autocracy. But the leaders in that country decided that rather than use gross domestic product, as every other country in the world does, as a metric for how well their population was doing, they were going to redefine it as gross domestic happiness. Huh. So I don't know how they measure how that. How are you going to do that? Exactly. But they decided to realign like all of their public policy and economic spending you know, in such a way that they would increase the happiness of the population, if not their wealth. Huh. You know? Um, it's debatable how much propaganda this just is because, again, they're just like a hereditary monarchy. Right. It seems more or less benevolent because they have a small population. The king d- and queen don't do any like human rights abuses. They do have most of the wealth, but they keep to themselves you know so nobody knows it's a notoriously like um isolated place too so nobody really knows what goes on legitimately what Mm -hmm. goes on there but that's an interesting idea that like if your country decided to up happiness quotient and that was the primary concern rather than economic productivity what could that look like so the idea that a social media app could attempt the same thing doesn't seem impossible it's just that in an environment where all the other competition is in the opposite direction. Right. I don't know how it outcompetes the addiction of something like TikTok. Like, how do you make something that's as alluring as TikTok that increases happiness rather than makes people kill themselves? Oh, I like well, don't know if you yeah. can do that. Utopian things like that it, always it end up do the... in pessimism because they end up with weird incentive structures that, encourage bad behavior yeah and even if that bad behavior is just the addictive like keeping your eyes on the thing that's 16 seconds long or whatever you know i don't i don't think you can get away with it around that because you like the real measure would be like we want people our happiness metric for this is people spend four minutes a day on this total but like you can't sell that no one's gonna buy into it yeah that's exactly what i mean like you can imagine the parameters right that like maybe you would earn some kind of reward for using it less time, or maybe you would um, be incentivized to make lengthier, more considerate posts rather than short, pithy hot takes or whatever. Yeah. You can picture that, but then picturing that outselling anything else no. doesn't work. No. Yeah. Cause then, cause there's no engagement. That's the E word that all apps like live and die on. Right. It's right. like, well, our engagement in across this, blah, 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 and you're like, so people are just looking at shit all day? Not really. Like, Right. Matt Christman said something on one of his streams I was watching yesterday that I think is related. Because uh, he was talking about David Graeber's book. We talked about it on an after show because I just read it too. Dawn of Everything. That's in the zeitgeist. People are getting around to finishing it. Yeah. Right now. Um, in case people don't know or you don't know, like the interesting thing about Dawn of Everything from a political perspective is that David Graeber is an anarchist ostensibly the archaeologist Wengro that he co-wrote it with is too although i don't know the whole angle of the book though is that like you can imagine you you know our imaginations are limited in our current circumstance but back in prehistory there was all sorts of like economic and political forms that uh are possibilities for our future right uh the thing is, though, that's a really idealistic perspective in the philosophical sense because it assumes that if we just change our minds and revert to a previous system or if we just change our minds and reimagine a new system, we can have it, right? The problem is, like, changing people's minds is really hard. 
Yeah. So what Chrisman said that I think is true is that you can't change anybody's hearts and minds. What you have to do is change people's actions, which will alter their conditions that will then get them to think differently. So that's always the formulation. That's so a fair one to one. Yeah. Back to the social media app thing, like the mistake that the hypothetical Lex Friedman company, the utopian, you know, positive social media company is making is the same mistake that the anarchists make in political theory. That all we need to do is change our minds about how this works. But that's not how it goes. You have to change people's actions. They change that changes their conditions, then they change their minds. Or you or you can flip flop the first two. Change the conditions, change the actions. And then change their hearts and minds. Can can you though? Because how do you change condition without action? You can't. Really I guess. That. Fine. There has to be agents that rearrange the matter and change the right. conditions. Um. So you know when the thing we're used to, because this is the other thing, when you're used to certain conditions, like the social media example is a good one. Even if you know that the alternative app is better for you, you're not going to be a, a, able to av- avoid the worst ones for you. You're not going to be able to avoid the candy because you've existed now for a decade and a half in With a matrix candy, made yeah. of candy. Your brain is wired to that world. Right. So whether you're consciously aware that a decision is better or not, it doesn't help you. It's like being addicted to anything else. Like smoking is bad for you. It doesn't stop people from doing it, really. Right. Not in mass anyway. It can stop some individuals sometimes, but Well, it's, you know, especially when it, you know, it goes through cycles of being back. Smoking ciggies is back. Yeah. Thank you, New York Times. I don't understand what the. F- did you ever? Read I mean, that did, or yeah, no? I did. But did it ever go away? Like, if you went no. to Bushwick at any point in the last uh, hundred years, there was a lot of, you know, twenty-something smoking cigarettes. I just, smoking is cool for young people. What is it? What is the mystery here? Yeah, I mean, you're gonna live forever. You know, the, uh, back to the conditions. The 20th century advertisers did such a good job of putting that in places where it got identified with cool to the point where I don't even know if I really think that. I just have absorbed that through culture and believe it to be true. Oh, I don't think, I think it's, you know, deeply uncool, but now we're just medicated and go, fuck, I'm such a bitch if I don't have it. But like, uh, you know, the book, uh, how to quit smoking the, what the fuck is the guy's name? Something car. Yeah. I think I know what you're talking about, but go ahead. Like if you read it by the end of it, you're like, oh yeah, I really don't like this. Yeah. I know what you mean. That, that book is, notoriously viral in the sense that it gets into people's minds and like really helps apparently yeah yeah i'm like hmm i wonder i would almost like to read that not from the angle of wanting to quit smoking but just with a skeptical eye to evaluate its effectiveness as like literature i wonder why it's so good because it's going through like essentially goes through like rational steps of like you're not really enjoying this when was the last time you the question that's always poses when's the last time you enjoyed a cigarette and you're like well you only really ever enjoy like one maybe when you're like ah like it's a you're on a pied-a-terre or what no pied-a-terre is an apartment you're like in florence on like a balcony sipping a ice cold glass of white wine and overlooking the sea i don't know how italy works but i i assume (laughs) that you can do this somewhere you you can do this somewhere you can do and you're like some sea air is going over and you're like mm, i had one glass of white wine but before i have a second a cigarette please and you're like ah i'm living because what you're doing is also saying like ah oh, this moment is short life is short let's just live it up while we can but then you're like mm. then you smell like shit afterwards and you're like oh the moment is over 
Well, again, I think it's back to the idea of what kind of world do you live in? Like, cigarettes only seem nasty now because not everybody's doing it. Nobody had the thought in the 1950s or the 1970s, for that matter, that everything smelled like cigarettes. That was just right. what the world smelled the like. The world smelled so funny. You didn't, yeah. think, you didn't think it was nasty. It didn't have all these negative connotations. It has that now yeah. because we've existed for 30 years in a world where it was weird. Right. Or out of, out of place. Yeah. I guess I guess what I'm saying on a larger level is I've just been thinking about this idea a lot that like whatever circumstances you occupy, they really do change perception to the degree that old models, you fundamentally don't understand them. Oh, like a good like, illustration yeah. is like your grandparents, even though they're with you in real life and you can sit across from the table from them and talk to them in the same language and, you know, share even memories in common, their world looks different to them. Than it does to you. Well, yeah, we do this with, you know, Zoomers. We're like, what? Yeah. What do you do? Huh? You're all Pan and Polly? Well, you know, I Are think, you Greek nymphs? I think What's our, going on? Our, our criticisms of Zoomers might be uh, enhanced by the, by the aura of acceleration that's also a part of our culture. Who knows even how true that is? It's just become so much a part of the way that people frame and think about things. Speed. Yeah. And velocity that like we're not as different from them as we think that we are, but our world does make it that way. Right. TikTok makes it that way because I'm not on TikTok and they are. Right. Well, you can't. So on some fundamental level, at least in a virtual sense, they are in a different world. Yeah. But we also thought of that when there was Snapchat. We were like, oh, we don't fuck with that. That's for younger people. Yeah. And it turned out to mostly be right. I think that turned out to mostly be nothing. Well, I don't know. The other thing is, like, we're curmudgeonly special people in this sense. Like, there's t- plenty of adults that are on TikTok. Yeah, 40-year-olds on TikTok? A what lot the of fuck? Them. It's, yeah. That is, I mean, just stop. If you're a 40-year-old on TikTok, please just don't. Well, hey, I don't know. I don't, most people don't analyze their life, you know? Like, I a know. cool new thing is just a cool new thing, and they just enjoy it for what it is. I don't have that capacity. I, Being no. over-analytic is, is nice in some ways. Curse. It is a curse. No, this is why we can't... life hard. This is why we can't enjoy things. Because it's always like, you know, like... Like, what is... Like, even like... So if I brought, like, a nice wine home and was like, okay, we're going to have a nice wine, parents, they'd be like, does it get you drunk? I'm like, if you drink the whole bottle, yes. They're like, but what does it taste like? I'm like, it tastes like wine. You got some like cherry notes and some, you know, do you do the hocus pocus? And they're like, just tastes like wine. So no, I don't like it. And you're like, what? You drink RC cola? What the fuck is wrong with you? Like, do not have a palate? And they're like, eh, just needed the cheapest option, and it was there and I'm on sale. I'm not thinking that hard about it. I'm like, okay, all right. On the other hand, though, that's what's alluring and nice about developing a sensibility. You know. It is a curse to analyze all the time. It does make your life more difficult on a practical level. Everything costs But more. when it comes to sensuous experiences and intellectual experiences, you do get to have a heightened experience of the world. It is kind of worth it. I think you actually get to enjoy more of the world because, again, we talked about this last, uh, in the last episode about, like, if you can, you know, use, the, use some kind of word to, or set of words to describe the undescribable like you are trying to gain an understanding of the world 
more deeply than going, wow, that was neat. You know? And I, I think, like, you know, you're, it's a half-life to be like, well, that was nice. Did you see the show? It was nice. I saw Wicked. The green lady sings. Turns out it's a fun story. And you're like, those words mean absolutely nothing other than you enjoyed yourself. Right. Like, it's very hard not to be elitist or judgmental about it, though. Yeah, I know. I'm not smart enough to figure out how to articulate this, but, like, what I would like to be able to say or try, I'm going to try and say is, like, there's something about that holistic experience of nothing is complicated that I do think is profoundly, like, more peaceful than uh, the constant turmoil of evaluation. Right. I don't uh. think it's all bad, and I don't think that anybody's experience is any less rich than any other person's, even though they might not be able to articulate the ways in which it's different. It's just as complicated as yours or mine is. Yeah. I think you always have to keep that in mind because I don't like slagging average people. I don't, I'm that's not really my intent. It is just a matter of like, you know, you're, you, you don't really get to experience the highs of experience if you can't like, Oh, I do think that's true. You're living in like the middle, the middle range all yeah. the time. Like, so you're never yeah. really, you know, you're never really like over, over the moon, but you're also never really disappointed that much. Yeah. You know, you know, I wonder if that's true. I think part of the friction that's like ambient and culture in society rather right now is that people can still be deeply and profoundly disappointed. And I think the, inability to articulate their frustration and direct is a, it yeah. is a major societal problem. Yeah. And since people aren't getting their treats anymore with the same amount of reliability as they once did, they're also not getting the synthetic highs that they used to get. Yeah. So existing in the middle to lower range is making everybody fucking crazy. Uh, Cause then all you have is rage. Cause you're like, a, like we talked about with you a little bit. It's like the inner child inside when you don't have a refined sensibility, when you haven't grown up, like if you can't articulate things and you can't read above like a ninth grade level, yeah. which frankly, most Americans can't sixth grade. Uh, okay. I Let's think see. it even got bumped down to like third I think grade. It's, I think it's pretty low. Yeah. Like y if you have no depth of experience uh, of articulation of your experience, yeah, you're just a raging infant. Yeah, so you're you are well, but that's the thing. If you only experience super high highs and super low lows, like you might as well be a fucking heroin addict. Like you're not any, you know, like you can't. There's no tempered, measured way to evaluate anything. Well, what I thought you were trying to say, and what I think is more true, is that for, during stable historical moments in a wealthy society, most people are not experiencing super high highs or super low lows if they have a ninth grade le reading level, right? Right. They're experiencing middle range highs and middle range lows. Yes. The most depressed you can be is, oh my God, I got a flat tire today. The happiest you can be is like, oh, my daughter got married or whatever. Yeah. You've been to a lot of weddings though. Yes, it's your daughter, but come on. There are better things than that. Unless you're like, God, I hate that bitch. Thank God it's <laughs> his problem yeah. now. But anyway, it's in that middle range most of the time. But what's happening now is that like higher highs are not attainable for anybody without money. Right. Or anybody without a tremendous amount of discipline to do that spiritually, right? Mm. Or yeah. in some kind of practice that's... Or to figure out what a high high actually means to you. Or what it means and to what, you, right. Again, how to goalpost that. That's a good point because it takes being able to define what that means for yourself, which requires a lot of introspection 
in the first place. Right. That's maybe the main reason nobody gets high highs. Yeah. The thing is, though, you can always hit low lows. Like, it can always get worse. That's not a thing that you can insulate yourself from through intelligence. Uh, yeah, well, you kind of have to, well, mm, I don't know. It gets a little Charlie Brown where you're just, like, walking around with the cloud over your head. No, but it's like, think about it. Think about an average person from Ohio. I'm sure you know people like this that, like, you know, during the boom times, they were doing pretty good running their auto body shop or their used car lot or whatever. Then 08 comes along and they get wiped out and they have to rebuild. And they're like, well, it's OK. It's gotten worse, but I'll retire when I'm 70 instead of when I'm 62. Mm-hmm. And then COVID comes along and they lose their job or they're an alcoholic and they lose their job. You know, like it just keeps getting it gets worse. It does. It gets but worse, it doesn't. Yeah. But the highs don't come. Even the middle range ones, you know. Hmm. I think it's easy to keep going lower and lower. It's easy to fall out. Um, That's the threat of our mode of production. Like we've right, talked about yeah. homelessness in this sense before, and it's like a lot of people are feeling that constant threat, I think. Yeah. Even if it's never going to be materialized. Or I think like what ends up happening for middle to lower middle classes, oh, I have to live in a worse place. Like it just is like, it's never going to be better. It's just going to be like smaller or fall apart sure. or like, be made shitty and then leak or you know whatever well and think about how much little improvements in your own life like end up mattering like i Mm. gave you shit for like the introduction of the table runner or the placemat or the sticks or whatever but (laughs) over time (laughs) living with them i'm like life is so much better when you have these like tiny incremental improvements i think of this in in my little acute ocd way like i like things to get put back and stuff like that really helps me yeah so you can do all these like constant tiny improvements but think about how massive even a small downgrade would be you're (sighs) like this apartment's tiny right now imagine for some reason we get kicked out of here and you have to move it you and i have to move into a place that's a hundred square feet smaller death to all of us you know like it would you would figure it we'd figure it out it would be tolerable enough but that would be such a constant annoyance every day on so many levels that it would just grind you down. So if more yeah. and more people are experiencing even minor diminishment in macro situations. Right. It's not That great. friction yeah. is like live. That's out yeah. there. I mean, but like there are, there are people like, you know, not to like to use this terrible phrase, but just making it work and just like happy for like really small little things. So like, you know, it's like, oh, kid got like an a on their report card great that's something we're celebrating like there is like deep profound joy even though they're like okay go back to study in your room with your three siblings and it's a the same size apartment as this you know like well sure i think that's a version of spiritual discipline or of you know practicing something positive in your life like if you're if your child especially if you're in a disenfranchised situation but in general it doesn't matter what level of wealth you're at if your child gets an a on a test like that's great as as a parent i would imagine too from a self-serving angle that you feel some pride in that because you're doing something right if they're taking an interest in school enough to do well even if it's on only one subject like you've encouraged their interest and given them an environment such that they can foster that uh fascination or you got a kid with anxiety i don't know because hopefully they're not like trying to do well in school to stave off anxiety like you know it's stereotypical but i think like asian and indian families run into this a lot of the time i mean 
you know, I think of my friend Malaya. Yeah. Granted, now he's like the wealthiest person that I know and owns like a home and a boat and all this other shit. But growing up, it was always way harder on him than it was on the rest of us like white suburban kids that like our parents were kind of indifferent to us, you know? They let us run around as long as you got C's and B's, like you were fine, you know? C's. Not in my Ooh. case, but it was like public school is easy. Yeah, that's true. If you just happen to be like bright, it's so easy to get A's and B's that it shouldn't be a challenge. But if you're in a family where the not the recommendation, but the requirement is only A's every time grounded for an A minus. Grounded for an A minus. Yeah, that would happen. Jesus Christ. So like, you know, that's a totally different thing. Yeah. What I was just trying to say is the more grounded point that I think that for struggling people, a version of spiritual discipline or of a practice of some kind is their family. Yeah. And fostering the family uh it's about family it is it fills that same relationship that you might have to art or to reading but with like real live human beings it's a profoundly biological thing too but for a lot of people that's all they've got well, i think this is dis- why empty nesters run into problems oh, yeah. i think this is why elderly people have problems like when that's not as present in your life and that's all you've given your life to um that rug pull is kind of brutal yeah yeah i mean that is also, but but that's also just displacing. Like that's a kind of displacement, which you know, all kind of like. What in, do you mean? What do you mean displacement? Because you're like, okay, I'm not, I'm not gonna, you know, all your kind of self. The the range of. Uh, what's the word that I'm looking for? So like having what we were talking about the introspection and moving. Oh, words. Um. Like you're kind of pushing off all of that internal um, judgment of the world or internal ev- evaluation all the time onto just like, oh, well, I have to evaluate like, is my child dressed or whatever? Like, are they eating? Like you're, you're doing a lot of stuff in service of something else instead of for yourself. So you're just like, well, they got chicky nuggies. So like, I think they're fine. Like, yeah, but you're framing this as, as a criticism kind of, and that's. No, I'm just saying, like, we, we all do a little bit of displacement all the time. Like, I, I, th- I have a problem in with... In terms of self, uh, self-work. self I have a problem with calling, like, caring about a family displacement of anything. It's not. That's a, pri- that's a primary, like, human drive going back to right. Cheops, you know? It's so old. To say that that's, like, in any way, like, a substitute for anything else, you're mistaking the life that you and I live as middle-aged single intellectuals, pseudo intellectuals uh, for like what everyone else is attempting to do. Yeah. They're not displacing anything. If anything, we displace selfishness because we lack that biological familial architecture. Right. We don't live near our families. We don't have families of our own. We're not in any position to get that in the near future, right? Right. I don't want to speak for you. That's true of me. I know. So, like... You know how much co- kids cost for gay people? $50,000. What, you have to purchase one? You can't go to the shelter and rescue one? No, it's what not like a you, puppy. What are you, some kind of... Uh, you want a purebred child? With all your race talk, now I get <laughs> No, but, like, if you do, like, surrogacy and all that nonsense... Or, sure, yeah. Yeah. Or even adopting is $50,000. It's not like you go to the vet and you're like, well, that one, that one's going to get put down. I'll take it home. Give it, you know, we'll get it out of the no kill and then give it to a, a forever home. Mm-hmm. 
And then when it pees on the carpet, you just give it back. Old yeller out back. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Oh my God. Will's child holocaust in the backyard. We're just taking a shower. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) Okay. All right. Um, This has gone off the rails. No, I wasn't meaning to, like, you know, disparage, like, the, you know, the idea of uh, uh, parentage. Um, But I do think, like, you do get... What you're talking about, the empty nesters thing, like, I think is is real when you're, like, I'm focusing on some, you know, a tangible other thing that has its own kind of drive. And then you're, like, wait, I don't have to focus on that anymore? No, I did my job. Oh, now what? You know, and then you have to... Hopefully you've been doing ever most, you know, most parents are like, no, I have my interests and one of them happens to be my kids, you know? Yeah, hopefully. Th- that's not true for a lot of people, though, because I think a lot of parents, especially of older generations, ended up having kids at a really young age when they didn't have a lot of time to do anything on their own. Right. And like develop their own real interests. So suddenly you're like on the verge of retirement and your kids aren't around anymore. Yet you've done nothing but what? Like watch football and go golfing? I mean, that's something. Yeah. That's like for a lot of suburban dads, that is their life, going to pool parties and stuff. But I don't know how much that scratches an itch after a while. I think like if you look at suicide rates of like men over 50 in the United States, it's insane. The rates are very high. Huh. Um, Suicide rates for men in general in America are really, really high, but... Well, we love guns, for so mid- that's kind of... Mid- the- well, the ex- the accessibility of guns is the thing, yeah. But for middle-aged and elderly men, it's like it's really bad. It's tragic. But, um, hmm. yeah, and I didn't mean to, like, accuse you of anything. It's just sometimes I notice in your framing of things... Oh, it was bad. It's not bad. Sloppy. It's, it's not bad. It's just the, the, way, the way that it's framed implies a moral judgment. Oh, that right. I know you don't mean, but that is there in your choice of words. Right. Yeah, it's... And it's, it's useful hard. to point. It's you know this is what the podcast is for. Right in part is like I don't notice that in everyday conversation because I just take it as read. Yeah. But when I'm really thinking about it, it's useful to point that out because right. also I don't know how you advance like as a human being if you don't point that out to people and they don't point it out to you in right. a non-confrontational way. It's normally hard to do that, like in a neutral space or in a polite conversation with somebody you don't know as well. You know, when you can read through their lines and it says a lot about them, you can't like tell them that. <laughs> I mean, you can. Sometimes you can. You, you can. can tell them that in in backhanded ways that they may or may not understand. Oh, that's how I. Do. I'm like, can you not? Like what? I'm like, that's not, that. Your tone is pointed. Um, but you know that that always. You know, yeah, you're right. It does. It's hard. I don't know. It's you know you know about did I ever talk to you about the Apple the fearless feedback? No. So like at Apple, like the the, the brand the store or tech thing. So if if you notice something that you know it seems a little off and not aligned with company stuff, they're like, can I give you some fearless feedback? And they just read you to filth. Wait 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 wait. Who does this? Anyone. It doesn't have to be like a manager. Or a boss, it's just like a coworker. You're saying like, in their corporate culture with the workers amongst each other. Yes. Okay. So they they're like, oh, we don't, you know, you can just go up to anyone, just be like, hey, can I give you some fearless feedback? That didn't go so great. Period or whatever. Like they can use like proper business jargon, but they're basically just like, hey, that was shitty. 
do well, better. You, you know, I think every com- uh, every company has some kind of version of this. Uh, I don't know. I've never worked in particularly professional places. I, I think just all all places like kind of have this. This is what managers are supposed to do. Yeah, but it's weird to be like anyone can do it to anybody. And I'm like, oh, what? Yeah, I mean, there's the nefarious angle of that, which is that's just uh, corporate propaganda, like installing a surveillance apparatus into its lowest employees. Yeah, uh, who are you incentivizing to work there? Like, basically vindictive people that have no solidarity with Scolds. the people around them yeah. and only want to improve their situation by bringing down other people right. for minor transgressions that don't make them any more money. Yeah, it's weird. Um, You're just building a you know gazpacho force all over the place <laughs> yes oh marjorie taylor green <sighs> she's our tiktok th- congressperson th- thank you rory i appreciated that because it, it appeared only a day full day later on on my uh, twitter verse and i was like huh mm-hmm. all right great yeah. um what why were you bringing up the um friendly fearless the fearless fear- feedback like because we were talking about like if you hear something oh, right. you know see something say something you know three one one rules um it, you know, you're right. It is rare to be able to do that and not just be like in a very hierarchical kind of thing. Of it's usually a power. It's always a power play in the rest of the world. But in bringing it up is just a matter of context and tone. Right. It can go. It can go any way you want it to go. Yeah. But you have to be aware. Not always. Tone is always hard to kind of have a conversation about. Especially if it's someone else's. Like, in just casual kind of giving a feedback of like, hey, you doing okay? Well, you don't want to tone police anybody else. Like, right. I don't really care what other people's tone are. What I meant was you have to be aware of your own tone in addressing whatever you're addressing. Right. People pick up on that a lot more than the content of what you're actually saying. Oh, of course. It's yeah. especially easy if you... um if you feel like you can out-chess somebody conversationally, if you strike the right tone, they'll acquiesce almost every time. Uh, that's a trick I, I don't know. I, hmm. It's not to toot my own horn, but that's a trick I learned a long time ago, is that if you mostly listen, the first time that you speak, the people that talk the most will assume you know more than they do. And that's, yeah. not, e- that's not even always true, but that is a kind of rhetorical weapon that, like, you know let people dig the hole as deep as they want to and when they're finally done speak in a calm and authoritative way and you will win the argument that usually works yeah and you could be you could be literally talking nonsense and just the tone and the timing will let you get away with it yeah that's eh, it's not letting you get away with it that is winning no, it's not because, like, mm. y- you know, somebody that was listening to the content of what you were saying would be able to make a counterpoint. But they're not listening, so you. But you they're know. not listening. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Hmm. Healthy conversation is difficult because people don't think about debate as a healthy thing. They think about it as an antagonistic thing, right. which it's not. It becomes that when the tone gets bad. <laughs> yeah, well, when the shouting starts and yeah. the things get thrown and the you know the crying starts, that's you know usually a sign that it's over but um i don't know i i don't understand like i was thinking about this because like like at like 11 o'clock recently there's been lots of shouting around outside and i'm like i've never been 
you know, I'm not like a, a shouter and I don't think I've ever had to like get in a screaming match with anyone ever. And there are people who live at 11 all the time and I'm like, I don't know, man, that seems like work. I think it's because they're not experiencing any real highs and they're only experiencing lower lows. So their outlet is rage. Their only form of expression in absence of concise articulation is anger. Right. So if you're doing that all the time, it's like a psychological flaw. How? That's, and people in poverty demonstrate that all the time. I think, no, but like if you think about like, because we were watching the Gilded Age, like they're, you know, the one lady screaming, flipping tables all the goddamn time because she's getting snubbed at parties. But like, damn. But she's not screaming and flipping tables. She's dispatching people with sharp barbs. You know? The one lady, she did the throwing of the the breakfast if plate. You, if you're talking about the nouveau riche lady who's upset, yeah, because yeah. she didn't come from money and now she has it. She still has the same impulse control as, uh, uh, as eh. she was conditioned to have, which is not very much. And the reason that she's tyrannical and her husband is tyrannical is that they have a chip on their shoulder against the old money. But they have the rageful reaction of poor people. And I'm making a problematic assertion here that poor people are mostly infants and that rich people are essentially not. No, that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't think that I don't think that works because, uh, like, you know, think of every Housewives franchise. They're all hundred thousand heirs and they're all just screaming messes all the time. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's true. I mean, making the psychological equivalence with the class equivalence is not clean. No. I think, like, I don't... Because uh, you also see this to circle back to, like, the tech thing. Like, you know, like, there's lots of weird, like, you know, classically it's called fuck you money. You know, when you have enough capital where you're just like, but we don't do that that way. I don't care. Fuck you. Here's some money. And you just, you know, stack a Benji's in the face. You know, that's... That's what I think we're seeing a lot of right now. A lot of fuck you money on the on the high end. Um, and it, you know, rears its head in like the want to be the next Elon Musk shoving chips in monkey spines or something. You know, we're like, eh, doesn't matter. Fuck you. Here, do it anyway. Here's some money. Like, I don't care if I get bad PR here. Well, something happened in the shift from aristocracy to outright oligarchy. Those are two different things, like old money and new money, right? The Gilded Age example. Like the reason that the old money people were protective of their aristocratic positions had nothing to do with wealth. They knew the other people had more money than them, but it was about protecting their social like status and their dignity right? on some level, which maintains their power. Like you work by our conventions— because this is where power is bestowed, right? And as that slipped, well, illustrated well in that TV show, because of the problem with capitalism, basically, is you can't maintain a hereditary aristocracy because capital tends towards monopoly. And when someone has so much more money than somebody else, whether they're an aristocrat or not, and whatever standards they want to play fuck by, you. stop yeah. applying. Yeah. So when yeah. you're talking about fuck you money, you know, the 1890s, 1880s is a good example of the first time people had real fuck you money. That was enough to overthrow hereditary standards that had been around for a thousand years. Right. I mean, it's a really big turning point in history. The hereditary inheritance of power had been stable for millennia. Right. It's amazing that that could be turned around by sheer force of money at a certain point, but now it can. And then you let anybody into the club that has fuck you money. Yeah. 
And when you're letting people into the club that don't share the same aristocratic values, like part of the advantage of hereditary monarchy or whatever, uh, systems that bestow, bestow power basically like divinely and linearly, is that you don't get as unpredictable of situations. Sometimes you get a crazy inbred king that's a little unpredictable, but you just kind of shuffle him off to the side or kill him and get the next brother in there. You know, you can deal with it within the family. Yeah, you keep it in the family. But now you can't deal with it in the family anymore. There is no family anymore. And these values trickle down to our society, too. Like, why do you, why do you think there's a thing called, like, family abolition? What? That Yeah, this is like a movement amongst basically, like, woke left people <sighs> that's talking about how, like, families are not necessary. You only need to have, like, friend relationships. But, of course, it's couched in all this legalese, like a BDSM community where you have different orientations <sighs> according to, like, what family you will affiliate with and what you won't. This is real. It can't be. It is. And it's propaganda from a ruling class that no longer values the family because they jettisoned that a long time ago. And you can't have it either because their aims are against the stability of family. They need people separated so that they're controllable. Long story short, when you end up in winner-take-all situations, there are no rules. No rules, just right? Outback Steakhouse? Yeah. Um, Yeah, I mean, but, you know, that... In that, to go back to like just the Gilded Age period, like, you know, what the old, the old world was like the Vanderbilts, the Rockefellers, these people with this new fuck you money, then just became that because they had so much money. And then they're like, well, I guess we have to be like, you know, a little noblesse oblige. But like when you see like the last remaining eldest Rockefeller and you're like, how many hearts did he go through? Three? You're like, maybe just, mm, this is bad. You know. Well, right, yeah. It's it's funny. We have like rose-colored glasses towards that era because when you see it portrayed in the TV show, it's like the nouveau riche people are gauche. They're just spending all the money on their mansions and stuff. But it, at the end of the day, they still absorbed, partly out of necessity, the values of the aristocracy because they needed to get, at least in part sometimes, in their good graces. Right. So building a library or whatever was a demonstration building of frick. power and nobility yeah. or whatever. So they still held on to that. But yeah, four or five generations later... Uh, the former new money, the Rockefellers at all, like it's not Bloomberg money anymore. Well, no, I think the Rockefellers still have shitloads of cash. No, and they, and they will for a very long time. I mean, the Rothschilds are the perfect example. They've been one of the richest families on Earth since the 11th century. They still around? Yeah, of course. Really? Yeah. Um, the rapper Jay Electronica. What? He is. He was on Donda. Anyway. Okay. Uh, he was notorious for banging one of the Rothschild's daughters, and he's like a hotep. It's a very interesting <laughs> situation. But anyway, yeah, the Rothschilds what? are still around. Yeah, they own like more property in France, I think, than anybody else. Um, hmm. Switzerland too, like oh, of course. just I mean, all the European former moneyed capitals. Like we can't have nice things but anyway it, now yeah. it's like you just spend it on building a rocket or whatever or your yacht yeah. needs to dismantle a bridge they're not doing anything with that money like you know jeff jeff bezos build a city some i don't why don't you have control of the entire education system in the united states or something uh didn't he give like 12 million dollars to a school or a lot li- like i'm sure they do that but that's to like no money pe- prep schools are, yeah it's nothing to them like in the scheme of things like like uh I think Rockefeller Center cost like $500 million when it was being built, which is like several billion dollars now or something like, like, you know, 
the inflation is stupid on that particular thing. Sure, yeah. You're like, what what does Rockefeller Center actually do? Like nothing really cuz it's but it has Radio City as part of the complex, so right. I guess it's a, a theater, but now it's just like y'all want to go to Aubon Pond and go to the Rainbow Room? Like I don't know. You can get a, a wing named after you at the Met. Well, I think part of it is that the the idea of long-term investment doesn't really mean anything to anybody anymore. Right. The the only thing you care about is increasing your stock price to increase shareholder value. Like the increasing financialization of everything just means you want to buy back more of your stock at higher prices every time. So you don't want to make long-term investments in land and buildings. Like, yeah, sure, but, like, this is a pyramid scheme after all. We don't want to get left with the bag. What do I want a skyscraper for when real estate values fall? It would be better to take that amount of money and buy back my own stock. Right. So the companies, from their angle, like, I was reading about the Sears Tower the other day, Mm -hmm. now the Willis Tower in Chicago. But, like, it was only in the late 70s that Sears was profitable enough and successful enough to build that fucking building. Probably a $12 billion project. That was only built in the 70s? In the late 70s, yeah. Huh. Yeah, because the World Trade Center was built and was the tallest building on Earth, I think, for a year or two till the, the Sears Tower took it over a couple of years later. Oh. So, um, but anyway, think about that. Think about a company like Apple now rather than building their weird like version of the Pentagon in Palo Alto or Cupertino. Yeah, sure, that's like sort of a nice building or whatever for your headquarters, but it's like you're trying to minimize your employees you're right. not trying to invest in anything super long term. If you needed to move headquarters and build another one of those, you could anywhere. If Cooper, well, they have several like yeah. land taxes or whatever get too expensive, or they don't give you enough incentives. That's you're never going to go build a skyscraper in a ma- major metropolitan area that th- you'll just be a rentier on forever because that's not going to make you any money. You're trying right. to s- you're trying to skim and save that. That's why the, you know the cash is all in Ireland. Yeah, doing nothing for ireland either like you know like it's just no apple has so much cash on hand that they're actually losing money to inflation by not being able to reinvest it anywhere like a lot of monopolistic companies are running into this right now like uh amazon i don't think so because they move a lot of money just given the nature of their business right but like apple mostly sells hardware right so they literally just make money and can't reinvest it. There's not enough things in the world economy to put the money back into. So they're sitting on billions of dollars that are losing value every day, and they hate it. They can't stand it. Yet they still run to the tax havens. God forbid you give it to a government to improve anything via taxation. Right. You'd still rather hoard it and lose money to inflation because that's cheaper than paying taxes. That's why. That's insane. I mean... I guess it makes business sense, but like that's also like what, what, what is the point of? Well, you're only losing seven point five percent to inflation year over year when you would be losing like you know twenty seven percent if you actually paid your taxes on it. So I get it; it's a twenty percent savings. But wouldn't then that increase back into market in general mean that you could sell more things? Well, or no, no, because you're already maxing out your investment in your employees in your hardware in your factories in your everything you've already put the maximum amount of money you can put into that without over manufacturing and creating a surplus and dropping your own prices okay there's a limit there's a natural limit to how much you can invest in your own company there's even a natural limit into how much you can invest into other companies because you can't absorb too many things or you'll get trust busted you know there's nothing they can do with it they i mean they might as well be what's 20% of one, $1 trillion. A lot. 
you know, it's $200 billion, and then they're losing 7% of that, so that's like $14 billion a year. You might as well just light it on fire. Can I have some? I know. I mean, well, like... like, Can I have some, though? Here, here's what you would imagine, because, like, Apple, much like Starbucks and, like, uh, REI and, like, all these other companies that present themselves as progressive but are ultimately as regressive as anybody else with a woke sheen on them. Oh, do you know about the REI? I do. Okay. The unionization, yeah. The podcast. Hi, it's my name brutal. is... I identify as he, him on, bar, like, stolen land, and by the way, fuck your union. Mm-hmm. Hi, my name's Chris. I identify as he, they, and I'm s- currently sitting on the Pawnee ancestral lands. Fuck your union. And, uh... Anyway. At least uh, he's not, like, you know, in charge of the nuclear cleanup stuff. Oh I'm surprised boy. we didn't get to Puppy that. Puppy play, man. Yeah. Anyway. I think it's better not to, because that's just... Yeah, not to. My, my, my final point on that was just, hey, listen, if you're losing $14 billion a year to inflation... Kind of like fourteen dollars. Wouldn't wouldn't a ostensibly progressively branded company just say, "Look, we're losing it anyway. Just do something with it." You could start a completely useless propaganda initiative. Something say, "Look, homelessness is a problem in San Francisco. You know, our adjacent city. We're giving it to them rather than lose it to inflation." Yeah, you don't have to hoard it like a fucking dragon in a layer of gold, you know, like that, that's the part that I'm like, what? I guess what they're thinking is if we take that 14 out and spend it on something, then we're still losing money to inflation on whatever's left. Like at the end of the day, you're losing some money to inflation, but like take some of it and do something with it. And just also lose none to inflation and just net, you know, just flat that out. Right. Couldn't you reach a threshold? No, not really. Because if you have any cash on hand, you're losing 7.5%. Right. at, At the current rate. Real inflation is actually probably a lot higher. Oh, than that. Yeah. But uh, you're losing something. So whatever you have hoarded, you're going to lose on. So what they're figuring is we lose less if we just hoard more, which is right. But it's not right. Yeah, it's just brutal for everybody else. The amount, the m- amount you could do with that. You yeah. could probably pay off everybody's student loans in the country if Apple took a seven point five percent hit one year. Uh, no, you need one point three trillion dollars right oh is it that much now uh-huh yeah well. it's a lot mm-hmm. but mm, can't wait till that expires is everybody looking forward to the spring everyone ready for may yeah <laughs> Every, who's ready for may 6th in america forget your january 6th uprising Ooh, baby mm. gonna be a lot of people taking metaphorical showers what people getting into piss play come may mm-hmm. well if biden has anything to say about it I was saying everyone's just going to have to do, like, cam work to start paying bills. Oh, that's already happened, man. I know, but, like, more people. I think I could end up in the top 1% of OnlyFans. How? Just feet pics all day? Nobody wants to see that. I'll tell you that right now. That's brutal. That's the worst. (laughs) Yeah, I was trying to, I was like, what can I do that's not too mean? (laughs) Spare tire guys dot tumblr.onlyfans.com damn if you want to start that i think that's a <laughs> i think that's a billion dollar idea right there just like bu- speaking of metrics of happiness we can be like we're celebrating everyone with a every guy with a muffin top oh yeah y'all ready muffin top representation 2022 the year of the muff what what